welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. How are we, church? Are we good? Amen. Hey, so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here. And if we have not yet met, I'd love to meet you or your family in the ministry mall uh, after the service. Want to give a shout out to those of you joining us online. Stoked to have you with us today. Hey, so many great things happening in the life of Shelter Cove. I am beyond excited to see what God's going to do in us and through us during this upcoming season. I think about the Christmas lights, opportunities to be generous, Thanksgiving Eve service. It's really an opportunity for us to shine bright for our community. Excited about the message today. Before we dive into the Word of God, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. We need you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and lives, God, that we would receive your word, but not just that, that we would live it out. And we recognize, God, that we can only do that through the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, take over, take control. God, I pray that you would help me speak with great boldness, great clarity, great passion. Have your way in our lives today. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, grab your message notes out, your Bibles. Meet me in Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five is where we're gonna be today. And we're in the middle of a nine-week series on the fruit of the Spirit. These are attributes, characteristics that only the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. And uh, today we're, we're talking about gentleness. And uh, again, this is not something that is celebrated in our culture. It's not something that's mentioned as a strength in our culture. But as we're going to see, it's, it's one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5. After talking about the flesh, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, legalism or the law cannot produce these kind of attributes. Only the Holy Spirit can. So what is gentleness? In the Greek, it's prautes. And authorities in the Greek language say that this is an extremely difficult word to translate. So I wanna give you a simple translation and then unpack what gentleness truly means. In your notes, write this down. Gentleness is strength under control. It's strength under control. It's, it's, it's like a horse, a wild horse that's been broken. So somebody can ride it. It has the exact same strength as a wild horse. It's just under control. It's like the old school golf carts that were gas operated. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So it could go up to, you know, if I was driving 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, if you could remove the governor. What was the governor on there? To, to keep it from going too fast. What's the governor on our lives? It's the Holy Spirit. Gentleness is not weakness. It is strength under control. And that's the complete opposite of what our culture thinks. Culture would say that gentleness is, is weakness. Gentleness is being soft. 
And yet it takes a person of great strength to be gentle. Amen. Gentleness is the same as, as, as meekness. That's another word for, for gentleness, meekness. And again, meekness is not weakness. Other words to describe this would be gracious, considerate, humble, calm, others focused. The opposite of gentleness is anger. It's abrasive. It's somebody that wants revenge. It's somebody that's harsh, somebody that's judgmental. And as I look at the, the life of the flesh, the works of the flesh, so many of the works of the flesh are the complete opposite of gentleness. Paul gives this list. He, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And then he says, hatred, the opposite. Discord, the opposite. Jealousy, the opposite. Fits of rage, the opposite. Selfish ambition, the opposite. Dissensions, the opposite. Factions, all the opposite of gentleness. See, gentleness is really closely communicated and associated with, with humility. And it's by our gentleness that we will be distinguished as true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, growing up, I had the privilege of playing sports. I played a little bit of football in junior high, uh, a little bit of basketball in high school and college and, and baseball most of my life as well. And gentleness was not taught. We, we, we were not taught to, to be gentle. We were taught to be aggressive. We were taught to be strong. We were taught to fight because at the end of the day, one thing mattered, winning. And so when somebody on our team was hit by a baseball by the other team's pitcher, we were encouraged to retaliate and throw the ball at them. When, when I was in college and a player from the other team broke one of our players' nose intentionally with his elbow, we were encouraged to get back at them. So when somebody hurts you, what are we taught? You hurt them back. When somebody yells at you, you yell back. When somebody lashes out at you, you yell back. But as a Christian, victory is not based upon the, the scoreboard. It's based upon us demonstrating gentleness. Gentleness wins. You know, I think about Superman. Superman has all these superpowers. He's got x-ray vision. He's got incredible strength. He's got super speed, super hearing, super breath. He's got all this kind of stuff going on. And when he walks around in his daily life, he didn't blow his super breath upon everybody. He just walked around as who? Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Somebody that probably appeared to be weak in the eyes of others. But here's the deal. At any moment, Clark Kent could climb into his phone booth, transform into a person of great power and do incredible things. Why? He had a life where he was ready to serve at any moment, strength under control. So here's the question today. It's not how can we be like Superman, but it's what makes gentleness so powerful? What makes gentleness so powerful? And I believe there's four realities. In your notes, number one, gentleness unifies. You want to have unity in your family, your friends, your marriage, the church? Practice gentleness. Practice gentleness. Because gentleness will lower walls where anger and bitterness raises them up. If you want division, don't practice gentleness because gentleness unifies. And we see Paul urging the church this way. And this is what he says in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord. In other words, as somebody who's living their life submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely 
humble and gentle. Notice the connection between humility and gentleness right there. Be patient, bearing with one another in love and make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How do we keep this unity? It's humility and gentleness. It's having a right frame of mind for who God is, who we are and who others are. So you and I will always struggle with humility and gentleness if there's pride in our life. Boy, if it's about us and what we think and what we want, we'll always struggle to demonstrate gentleness because we don't really care about others. We care about ourselves. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter two, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, count others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not into your own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, gentleness has this heart and this passion and this love for other people. Write this verse down, Proverbs 15, one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What does that mean? When somebody yells at you, you're gentle. When somebody's angry at you, you're gentle. When somebody lashes out at you, you're gentle. Here's the reality. Gentleness is a diffuser. And when somebody yells at you and they're mad at you and frustrate you, you've got two options. You've got a cup of water and you've got a cup of gasoline. And what are you gonna do to that fire? Because you can pour water on that fire and diffuse it, or you can pour gasoline on it and make it so much bigger, so much bigger. And I think about, okay, what, what does that mean for us here in the church? How do we be people that are gentleness, knowing, gentle, knowing that gentleness unifies? I think we can be quick to apologize. Sometimes the greatest way to diffuse something is just say, I'm sorry. When somebody lashes out at you, just apologize. We can recognize our personal preferences, what we like, and what we, we, what we prefer. Uh, and sometimes there's gonna be things that are moved around and if we're not careful and can make us angry, like where, where's the coffee this morning? Did anybody else ask that? Yeah, walk in, it's not in the normal spot. And if we're not careful, we get little things, let little things uh, frustrate us where we can be harsh, we can be abrasive, we can be rude, we can be mean. Now, what this does not mean is that we don't deal with conflict. Like we wanna deal with conflict. We wanna have difficult conversations, but we do that with gentleness. We do it with love. We do it with respect. You know, it used to be uh, years ago, it doesn't happen near as much, but people would write letters to the church about what frustrated them and all that kind of stuff. And they wouldn't sign their name. They were harsh and they were rude and they'd write them to me. And of course I did what I normally do with letters where people are, don't sign their names. I, I file it, right? In the garbage can, right? Don't, you don't read those because somebody's not gonna put their name on it. It's nothing. There's, there was a situation uh, several years ago where somebody wrote a, a letter, signed their name, uh, sent it to one of our um, ministry leaders, and it was harsh, and it was mean, and it was rude. It was really bad. So I asked to meet with her, found out about it, asked to meet with her and her husband, met in my office, and didn't get angry, didn't get mad. Inside, I was frustrated. I'm like, I, I got to demonstrate gentleness. And all I did was look at her in her eyes, and I looked at her husband again, had the letter in my hand, and just said, hey, love you guys, want you here, but this... This can never happen again. 
We need to be respectful. We need to be loving. We need to be kind. You know, this was the, the, the prayer for, for Jesus when it came to the believers in John chapter 17. He asked that, that we would all be unified, that we would be one. And here's what we got to remember, especially hanging around other Christians. We were all, we're all in different places on the journey. Some of us are super mature. Some of us are not. Some of us have been Christians for 20 years. Some of us have been Christians for 20 weeks. So we need to give people grace. Second of all, often the issue isn't the issue. I want to say that again. The issue isn't the issue. In other words, they may be lashing out at you and saying that you did something to hurt them, but really they just found out they have cancer. They just lost their job. They've got a financial issue. They've got issues with their kids. And I was reminded of that on Monday night when we came here for prayer and worship night, which was phenomenal and powerful. That there were people that were crying as they were sharing the, the brokenness of what was going on in their lives and the hurt and the pain. And all of us are dealing with stuff. Some of it's minor, a lot of it's major. But when people lash out at you, be mindful that oftentimes the issue is not really the issue. Here's the point. Gentleness unifies. It unifies. Second of all, gentleness influences. Gentleness influences. You want to influence somebody, be gentle. Complete opposite of our culture. How do we know that? Because Jesus, the greatest influencer, he's gentle. He knocks on the door of your heart. He doesn't break down the wall, break down the door. He's a, he's a perfect gentleman. I mean, G Jesus is gentle. And if you've been at Shelter Co. for a little while, you know that we have a huge heart for, for lost people. What's a lost person? It's somebody that doesn't know God, somebody that's far from God, somebody that's walked away from God, somebody that wants nothing to do with God. Why is that so important to us? Two things, because that was the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. But also at one point, every single one of us were lost. And if it wasn't for the grace and the compassion of God working through somebody else, we wouldn't be where we are today. So we want to we reach as many people as we possibly can. How do we do that? Gentleness. And this is what it says. 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. It's Jesus. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Write this down. Three words. Abrasive is not persuasive. Maybe four. Abrasive is not persuasive. You want to be persuasive in this life? You cannot be abrasive. Why? Because the more gentler you are, the more influential you will become. See, that the goal is not to win an argument. It's to win a person. Some of you, some of you have, you've won argument after uh, argument after argument, but you've got friends and family members that don't even want to talk to you. So I, I pray that in this season, as we're sharing our faith, when somebody finds out that you go to Shelter Cove, they would say, man, there's something different about that church. That, that's the church where, where people are so kind and compassionate and loving and caring. What are they trying to say is that, that we're gentle. And in the way that we talk and the way that we invite and the way that we uh, share our faith, there's something gentle about us. You know, several years ago, I went down to the X-Fest downtown. It's where there's a bunch of bands that would go down there and there's just a ton of smoking, drinking. And I was going with a, a couple pastors and friends and, and we got all prayed up beforehand. We just want to go and talk to people about Jesus. Just wanted to go and, and share our faith. So we, so we went down there and 
got involved and tons of people. I'll never forget, there was a young adult that's like, hey, Pastor Jeremy, is that you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm out here telling people about Jesus, man. It's great. What are you doing here, bro? It was a great conversation. And we started talking about Jesus and interacting with each other. And as we were leaving, there, there was a bunch of Christians that had these like picket signs almost. And on those signs, it was like, turn, turn or burn, you know? Um, you're going to hell. You need Jesus. All these signs that just came across as harsh, as angry, as in your face, anything but gentle. And as, as I was leaving, there's these people going in there, just shaking their heads, like saying, like, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? Fast forward a couple years later, went to the chocolate Oakdale factory, whatever it was on a weekend, and it brought the youth there and we brought a bunch of water bottles out there. And we we're just giving them out to people and just saying, hey, we just have some free water bottles. Just wanna bless you, it's a hot day. So I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And they asked the same question. They just asked it a different way. They said, wow, what are you, what are you guys doing? T -t Tell me about this. See, gentleness influences. Max Lucado put it this way. He said, I choose gentleness. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, let it be in praise. If I clench my fist, may it only be in prayer. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. See, we influence others through gentleness because Jesus did. Jesus did. John chapter eight, what happened? There was a woman that was caught in adultery. In the act, she's brought to the, to the feet of Jesus. And there's all these religious leaders that approach Jesus and say, hey, what should we do? The Bible says to, to throw stones at such a woman. What do you say? And how does Jesus respond? With gentleness. He gets down on the ground and he starts writing in the ground. We don't know exactly what he wrote. But then he looks up at these guys that all have stones in their hands and says, hey, he, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And they start dropping the rocks one by one, the oldest to the youngest because Jesus communicated truth with gentleness. And then the woman's there, who's caught in the act of adultery. And he says, woman, where, where are those that condemn you? And she looked around and said, nowhere. And he said, neither do I condemn you. It's gentleness, but it didn't end there. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Some translations say, go and leave your life of sin. In other words, Jesus did not compromise the truth. Please don't miss that. Being a Christian does not mean being weak, wimpy, and soft. We can be strong, but it's strength under control. Strength under control. Gentleness unifies. Gentleness influences. Thirdly, in your notes, gentleness reveals. Gentleness reveals. What does it reveal? It reveals who we really are. Gentleness will reveal a godly woman, a godly man, a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly single person. It's a reflection of who we really are because it's not weakness, it's strength under control. I was hanging out with the staff on Tuesday. We have our staff meeting every single week. And I was telling the staff that I'm speaking on gentleness this week. And I told them, you know, one of the, the most gentle people I know. 
is Pastor JT, our executive pastor. I haven't seen him get angry. Haven't seen him get outwardly frustrated. I haven't seen him lash out. Boy, you, you talk about a picture of gentleness. Man, it's JT. I think about our elders. Our elders are all gentle. I think about Billy Bob. Billy Bob's this big bear of a man. And whenever I see him, I'll go up to him, I'll go to shake his hand and he'll just shake his head no, and he'll like bring it in and he'll give me a hug. And here's the deal. How does he hug me? Gently, gently. Some of you need to hear that because I'll give you a hug and if I want my back cracked, I will go to a chiropractor. Just throwing that out there, all right? It's like, you know, you get your wind knocked out. There was a time years ago, I didn't even shake somebody's hand because every time it would like almost crack and I was concerned he was gonna break my hand. It's like, bro, chill out. Gentleness, get that tattooed on your hand, bro, you know? <laughs> Titus chapter three, one and two says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. Gentle towards everyone. What does that mean? It doesn't matter how they treat you. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter if they're angry. It doesn't matter if they lash out. I'm not saying it's okay to, don't, don't be a doormat for somebody. There's times where you need to walk away. But we are called, regardless of how people treat us, to be gentle. Think about Jesus on the cross. You know what the definition of gentleness is, is when people are lashing out at you, yelling at you, and you look and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Friends, that's gentleness. It reveals us for who we truly are are. I love Philippians chapter four, let your gentleness be known to all. And, and for some of us, may, maybe the most powerful thing we can do is change or stop what we say on social media. But for some of us, what we write on social media reflects nothing close to gentleness. You mean, you're rude, you're harsh. All right, I'm gonna get off that soapbox for a second. First Timothy 6, 11, Paul writes at this. He says, but you man of God, flee from all this. What? Flee from the love of money and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We're talking about being a gentle woman and a gentle man. So much, so much of the, this, the scriptures, they talk about when it comes to gentleness, being, being a, a man that's gentle. Why? Because the culture thinks it's weak. Man, when you are gentle, you have no idea how strong you truly are. Ladies, you're single. You're looking for a strong man. Look for a, a gentle man. Because here's the reality. Here's a simple thing. Maybe the most powerful thing you hear today. Gentle men are gentlemen. Gentle men are gentlemen. And so you're single, you're looking for somebody that you wanna date because you wanna marry them. Watch the way they respond when somebody's angry with them. Watch the way they respond when the waitress is rude to them. Watch the way they, they respond to their parents when, when their parents maybe are frustrated with them. Because here's the reality, the way they treat others and the way they respond is a great indication of how they're gonna treat and respond to you. Colossians 3, 19. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Well, what does it mean to be harsh? It's the complete opposite of gentle. Be harsh, don't be abrasive in the way that you talk to them and the way you touch them. There's never a reason to physically get aggressive, abrasive or abusive with your, with your wife, man. In fact, if you do that, you are a weak man. You are a weak man. You know, I, I, I was thinking this week as I pre was prepping for this, sometimes I just wish we could go old school. You know what I mean? Like, like we're in 2020, but like back in the 1930s, 40s, 20s, you know what they do to a husband that beat his wife or was aggressive with his wife? Take him out to the woodshed. I, I'm just saying, I wish we could go back in time sometimes, you know, and just deal with it in a way that, you know, subtle, but ain't gonna happen again, you know? And wives, I don't wanna let you off the hook because maybe physically you don't... Um, abuse your husband, but verbally, you are so disrespectful. It hurts more than physical. And sometimes it's not just, just the physical, it's, it's, it's the way we talk to each other. Because you can say the same thing in two totally different ways, and it comes across either as rude or loving. Let me, let, let me tell you what this is like. Say it in a way that's just kind of abrasive or, or lame. I love you. Well, that's, that's attractive, huh? It sounds real good. Or you could say it this way. Hey, baby. I gotta be careful who I make eye contact with right now. It's getting kind of weird. I'll do, I'll, never mind, all right? We're gonna stop there. But you get the point, right? Same thing, two, two totally different ways. You can say, I'm sorry. Or, hey, I am really sorry. Two totally different ways. Or you know what? It'll be okay. <laughs> Sounded really weird, didn't it? Please don't ever say that. It'll be okay. Yeah, it sounds like you really believe it, doesn't it? Or hey, it's gonna be okay. And we're gonna be okay. Two totally different ways of communicating. And then to move on from husbands and wives, uh, lastly, to to children. Fathers, don't provoke, provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does it mean to, to provoke? It, it, it means to deliberately make annoyed or angry. Dads, it's when we make our kids feel like they're never good enough. When they get C's, we want them to get B's. When they get B's, we want them to get A's. When they get A's, we want them to get an A+. When they get an A+, we want them to take college prep classes. When they get college prep classes, we want them to go to college while they're in high school. They never feel good enough academically, in sports, chores, how they clean their rooms. And here's what happens, dads. Our kids will find they want to distance themselves from us because it goes back to point one. Gentleness unifies, but harshness will divide. See, lots of times our kids will reflect how we communicate and talk. And as I say this, please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm a work in progress. There are times where I am not gentle. There are times where I have to go back to my kids and say, hey, I'm sorry, I lost it. I was harsh, I was rude, I was abrasive. But when I leave here today, I'm gonna focus on the future, not the past. I'm gonna focus on loving my wife, loving my kids and being gentle with them. I was talking to a friend recently and he was telling me about his kids' uh, soccer 
Um, they're in competitive soccer. And what used to happen is you'd have the, the players on one side of the field and the parents on the other. But here's what's happening is the parents are getting so into the game they're starting to yell at each other. Not only that, they are getting in physical fights. So they're having to change it so that parents and the, the players of one team are over there, parents and players on another team here. So when somebody yells at the ref, the ref understands what team it's coming from. And so that the parents aren't fighting with each other. And guess who's in charge of controlling the parents? It's the coaches. How sad is that? Why? because the parents aren't demonstrating gentleness. It's just the game, folks. That was bonus, I'm sorry. <laughs> gentleness unifies. Gentleness influences. Gentleness reveals who we really are. And then lastly, gentleness transforms. Gentleness transforms. But when we, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit takes control. It changes us from the inside out because it's no longer about what we want, how we think, what's important to us. It's all about Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I have a feeling in a room this size and those watching online, there are many of us that are weary and burdened right now. And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you rest. And I'm not talking about temporary rest where you just watch a movie, you scroll social media, you watch TV, you have a drink, you take a drug, you do stuff to escape for a little bit. I'm talking about eternal rest in this life and in the next. Because here's the reality. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and he forgives you of your sin, past, present, and future sin, and you know that you're right with God, there's not a whole lot of things in this life that really matter. The word of God matters. People matter. Eternity matters. It puts everything in perspective. And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you rest, not just in this life, but in the next life to come. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The yoke was what was over the, the shoulders of oxen where they would plow the field. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke uh, upon you for I am gentle and humble in heart for you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, come to me because I'm gentle. He's not gonna lash out at you. He's not gonna get angry at you. He's not gonna frustrate you. He's gonna love you. It's like that father in Luke 15, when his son ran away and didn't want his dad, he wanted his dad's stuff. When the son came home and repented, dad didn't show anger. Dad didn't show frustration. He just kissed him, put a ring on his finger, a robe on him, gave him sandals, said, we're gonna throw a, a feast here. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Gentleness transforms and Jesus was gentle, but Jesus also got angry. He did and it was very rare. See, I, I don't want you to make this an excuse that Jesus got angry. There's nothing wrong with getting angry. We should get angry at times, but for the right things. For, for some of us, we get angry over stuff that means nothing. Jesus was a gentle man who at times got angry. Here's my concern is that you will think about that when really you're an angry person that at times shows gentleness. There's a total difference. 
This is only possible with the Lord. Gentleness unifies. Gentleness influences. Gentleness reveals and gentleness transforms. Two questions. Number one, what is keeping you from being gentle? What's keeping you from being gentle? So your pride? So you just don't really care very much about others? It's about the fact that you are concerned about stuff that doesn't even matter. And the second question is this, with whom do you need to be gentle? Hello, getting super practical. And most likely, there's a good chance it's the person sitting next to you. It's your spouse, it's your kids, it's a family member. And guess what's great? You're gonna get a, a chance this Thursday to practice gentleness with family members that have a different political view. Yes, with family members that you love, but you just can't stand. You're gonna get to practice that this Thursday. How awesome is that? Hey, in just a moment, we're gonna take communion because this gentleness is only possible with Jesus. I can't live this out. It's only with the Spirit living in me. God, in this moment, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, and we just say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. God, your word tells us to examine our hearts and lives before we take communion so we don't take it in an unworthy manner. So God, right now we confess our sin. God, for a lot of us, it's just the reality that we've been harsh. We've been abrasive. We've been angry. Today, we want to choose gentleness because it's what you've been with us. It's what you want us to be for others. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. In just a moment, we'll take communion together. This is for believers. If you're not a believer, I pray that today would be the day where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You just receive him. You admit you're a sinner. You repent from your sin and you receive the gift of Jesus Christ who forever changes you. It's that simple. But it's not a thought. It's, it's a decision. But if, if you're, that's not you today and you don't want to do that, would you just refrain from taking this? This is for believers. Go ahead and get that bread open that large piece of bread. <laughs> Gotta chew it quick or it's gonna dissolve in your mouth, folks. <laughs> you know, but the night that Jesus was betrayed the day before he went to the cross, said this bread represents my body. Broken for you. As often as you eat of it, you do it in remembrance of me. Take eat.
Then he took the cup, said, this cup represents my body poured out for you. As often as you drink of it, you do it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Church, there's, there's opportunities to give on your way out, to sign up to be a part of the light show for you to pay and pray. Why don't you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, God, as we leave this place, we pray that we would live spirit-controlled lives through the way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we touch. People would experience not just your gentleness, but would experience Jesus through us. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.